Good morning, everybody, and uh, welcome again uh, to our Sunday live stream service here at Vineyard Church of Greater Portland. It's great to have you guys here this morning uh, with us. Man, it is a great day. Sun is shining. Uh, it's Sunday. Uh, it's, it's an amazing day to be alive. I am like so excited. I feel like all is right with the world. Why do I feel that way? It's because NASCAR starts today. That's right. NASCAR starts today. And Jay is totally laughing at me right now. But everything is right now. I mean, I am good. I will stay home forever now because NASCAR is finally starting. Cannot wait. Darlington, here we come. 3.30. Join me today as we watch. I know. It's the little things, you guys, right now. It's the little glimmers of hope that we get to rest on, look forward to. But today, it's NASCAR, and I'm excited. Anyway, none of you are probably interested in that, and that's fine. But I just wanted to welcome you guys here this morning. Thanks for joining us here uh, again for our live stream. I wanted to welcome anyone who's new here this morning. If you are joining us for the first time uh, here at Vineyard Church of Greater Portland, uh, we wanted to connect with you. Uh, and and just can uh, just maybe make a connection with you during the week uh, if you've joined us here for the first time and just uh, just reach out to you. So if you are joining us, we have a text line that you uh, can can text into and just let us know that you've joined us here today. Uh, and you can do that by texting the word guest to our number two four five one nine seven five, and we'll reach out to you and connect with you during the week. And we're glad to have you guys here. We're glad to have everybody here, all of you that are here joining us each and every week. Um, it's great to have you guys here. Uh, continue to chat and uh, hang out with one another, uh, converse with one another through our uh, through the chat lines and all that stuff um, as we're going through um, our live stream today. But it's great to have you all here this morning. Just wanted to also um, uh, remind you guys, if you are able to still continue to give um, to be able to do that, you can do that by going to our website and giving your tithe or your offering uh, this week by going to our, our homepage, vineyardportland.org, and tapping on the uh, link for PayPal. And you'll be able to do that uh, by going through that link, setting up an account, or just giving um, via online through PayPal. So head to our site, vineyardportland.org, for that. Or you can still mail in your check um, if you need to to the office. So continue to do that if you can, um, as we continue to worship God, even, you know, through our giving, uh, next we have our zoom groups still happening, going on. So that's a list you see right there of our zoom groups that we still have going on through the week. Wanted to mention there's a, there's a new one that we're trying to get up and running, uh, on Saturday mornings. That's really dedicated to, uh, talking about some of the things that we're dealing with surrounding the pandemic and how we're dealing with that and uh, some of the things that we're feeling around this whole new reality. So that's going to be hosted by Jasmine um, Saturdays at 930. So continue to be a part of those Zoom groups um, as a way of connecting with one another because we just can't be together face to face at this point. Uh, next, we have a new uh, sort of study discussion group that we're rolling out here that I'm going to be doing. It's going to be called Overflow. And it's going to be happening in Facebook rooms. And this is a new uh, platform that, that Facebook has come out with. And it sort of works like Zoom. And I have scheduled uh, to open up the room called Overflow 
uh, on Wednesdays at noontime. And basically what we're going to do every Wednesday at noon is we're going to just talk a little bit more additionally about the discussion and about the topic that we present on Sunday morning. So if you want to be a part of that with me, Wednesdays at noontime, you know, I'm going to open up that room on Facebook Rooms and uh, let's just chat and talk a little bit about what we uh, presented on uh, Sunday. So join me in that if you can uh, in, mid in the middle of the week. And lastly is this, hey, we, we are putting together plans uh, to be uh, opening up here on June 7th corporately, if you guys have not heard that. Um, we're hoping and, and, and looking forward to phase two beginning in June of the reopening strategy for the state. And with that reopening, with that strategy, with that phase, um, we are allowed to meet in groups of 50 or less. And so we are right now as a leadership team, we have a team put together to reopen uh, June 7th. And so we want to just let you guys know that we are putting things in place um, to be able to do that and to be able to do that safely. And so if you are interested in, in coming back and being a part of our corporate gathering, um, hopefully we'll be doing that uh, the first Sunday in June, given that we are able to maintain the guidelines that the state has uh, laid out for us uh, to properly meet in groups of less than 50. So we are excited about that. Um, so this morning I had full intention of continuing in our series um, in Hebrews. And I had full intention of, of working through chapter five and praying from truth, praying from Hebrews uh, in order to gain intimacy with the father, right? So our whole process of from in for and the series that we've been going through over the last you know, couple months is this idea of going to the truth, praying from truth in his presence for intimacy. But this, but this uh, Sunday, I, I just sensed in my spirit and the, the Holy Spirit really nudging me to go in a different direction, considering uh, where we're at, um, where we find ourselves in, in the reality that we find ourselves in, uh, in regards to uh, the pandemic and our COVID-19 you know, circumstance um, that, that we're living through and that we're trying to deal with. And so Wednesday morning, I woke up and before I could even get my feet on the floor, uh, the Lord said to me, the Spirit spoke to me, and he spoke to me this scripture. He said, if I be lifted up, if I be lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. And before my feet even hit the floor, that rang true in my spirit. It was like the Lord woke me. It was at the normal time, but he woke me in that moment and spoke that truth to me. And I thought to myself, okay, what is this for? Holy Spirit, reveal to me what it is you want me to do with this truth. It revealed to me how you want me to proceed. And, and I, I got the sense that he wanted me to really dive into that, dive into that. And I knew where that was. I, under, I knew where that passage was. It was in John and I knew it was in the middle of John somewhere. But it's in John chapter 12, verse 27, and it starts in 27. It's a little bit later on, but it's in John chapter 12, 27. That kind of starts the paragraph in which we find that text. He says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. And so I want to look at that this morning because I think it is so important when I begin to see what it is that Jesus was saying, when I began to see what was unfolding in that moment, I thought to myself, wow, this is so applicable to where we are right now. Because we see in this moment, in this text, 
that Jesus has a response to a circumstance that he's in. And so often right now as the church, there's so much, I should say, there's so many options in how we can respond in this moment in time, how we can respond as the church in this moment, in this reality. There's so many ways and there's so many options and there's so many examples of how we can respond. You know, our response may look different compared to who we're talking to. Our responses may look different compared to, you know, in, 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 in relation to who we are. You know, for some of us in the church, you know, we're, we're dealing with this, um, with this response, we're dealing with the, um, with the decision to make, you know, we're dealing with these thoughts in our heads about how we should respond in the moment. For some of us, you know, the questions are, you know, should we wear a mask? Should we not wear a mask? Should we wear a mask in public? Should we not wear a mask in public? You know, should I visit my family? Should I, should I not visit, you know, my family? Um, you know, should I, should I, should I go to the store? Should I not go to the store? Should I socially distance from people? Should I not? You know, churches are asking, should we even gather now? Or should we not? People are asking themselves, should I protest? Should I not? So there are all kinds of different responses that are available to us in this moment in time. And I think that our response in this moment is going to determine a lot of things about who we are as the church. Our response in this moment is going to determine how other people outside the church see the church. And so I think it is so key to see what Jesus did and how Jesus responded in circumstances that were really difficult. And quite frankly, circumstances that were much more difficult than the ones we face. So I hope you guys give me permission to share this morning some of the things that I feel like are on my heart and some of the things that I feel the scripture says about where we should respond and how we should respond in this moment. Because it's the one thing I know about the truth, right? The goal of truth, and I'm talking about truth. I'm not talking about information. I'm not talking about knowledge. I'm talking about truth. The goal of truth and Holy Spirit revelation is never to show us who we're not, but it's always leading us into who we are becoming. You know, there's no condemnation in the truth, that the truth exists so that we can, so that Jesus can be revealed to us and so that we can, so that he can reveal who are, we are becoming in him. The truth is never meant to condemn, but is always meant through grace to realize who we, are be, who we are becoming. And so I hope that what I'm going to share this morning in the scripture really has, really has a place to land in your heart this morning. I hope that you provide, provide a runway for what I'm about to share this morning in regards to what our response should be. So let's get into it. Chapter, uh, John chapter 12. Let me just set the context here for a second. So we find John, uh, we find Jesus. Uh, he has just come into Jerusalem. The triumphal entry just happens. We are about a week away from his uh, crucifixion. And Jesus is actually participating in the feast of the Passover. He has just come into uh, Jerusalem and he is 
participating in the festival, in the celebration of Passover. And Philip and Andrew uh, come up to Jesus and they say to him, hey, Jesus, there's these Greeks that want to speak with you. They want to inquire about who you are. And Jesus really doesn't even um, address that request. He begins to talk about the hour that is coming. He begins to talk about the hour that is coming for him. And he says this, he says, the hour has come for the son of man to be glorified. And then he goes on to say, you know, if you're going to serve me, you must follow me. And he says, if you're going to love your life on this earth, you'll never receive eternal life. That is only by losing your life that you will gain life. And then he says, he begins to, um, he begins to, I think, understand the gravity of the moment in which he is entering into. And in verse 27, he says this, he says, now is my soul troubled. Now is my soul troubled. And you might think about that and think to yourself, well, how can Jesus be troubled? He was fully God. Like God's not troubled by anything. And another word for that, for troubled in the Greek is, is um, despair um, or let's see, troubled could be despair, um, anxious or distressed. Those are some of the words that are used to describe that word troubled in the Greek. And you might think to yourself, how is Jesus despaired? How is he anxious? He's, he's fully God, but he was fully man. And I think what we see happening is, is when he makes that statement, when he says, when he says to, to, to Philip and to Andrew, when he says, now my soul is troubled, what, what we're seeing here is, is that Jesus is beginning to come face to face with the reality of where he's going. And, and the pressure and the, and the weight and the burden of every, everything, every sin of the world is beginning to bear down on him to the point where he begins to feel troubled that everything is coming on him he's beginning we are less than a week away from him going to the cross and taking everything on himself and we see it in this moment in this statement he says now my soul is troubled now i'm in despair now i'm anxious i'm distressed I, I finally am understanding in my humanness what I'm about to do. Everything, every selfish thought, action, word that every human being has ever done, every moment of disobedience, everything, every lie, every feeling of resentment, animosity, uh, everything that humans feel, that humans that, that, that the human race has participated in that is outside the holiness of the Father, all of that is going to come bearing upon me. And now my soul is troubled. And it is true that even in this moment, we are in a circumstances, in a circumstance and in a situation where we can seem troubled. That our circumstances is, is, is forming these feelings of, of anxiousness or despair in us. 
And obviously we know that it is nothing compared to what Jesus experienced and nothing compared to what he felt. But at the same time, in our humanness, we are still feeling these things and we are finding ourselves in a circumstance, in a situation where we are troubled. And for some, it's to a higher degree than others. And so what does Jesus say next? And that's the title of this message this morning is, this is what he says. He understands he's in a circumstance. He understands he's in a situation. What does he say? He says, what shall I say? Question mark. What shall I say? Given my circumstance, given my situation, what shall I say in this moment? What is my response? What am I going to say? I need to formulate a response given the circumstance that I'm in. What shall I say? What is my response in this moment? And then he goes on to say, he doesn't necessarily answer the question, but he poses another question. And he says this, Father, save me from this hour? What shall I say? Save me from this hour? Question mark. When we're in this moment, when we're in a circumstance, so often our default is, Lord, Father, Take me from the circumstance. Take me out of this hour. Take me out of this place. Rescue me from my, from my reality. Save me from my circumstance. That's our sort of default when we want, when we're in this place where of uncertainty. Take me out of it. And so Jesus says, what shall I say? Father, take me out of this circumstance? Father, save me from this hour? Question mark. And then he says this. He says, but for this purpose, I have come to this hour. For this purpose, I have come to this hour. So Jesus makes a decision in that moment. He says, I am not going to uh, allow myself to be rescued from this circumstance. That my my response is not so much, I need to be taken out of this, but instead, I have to find purpose in it. His response is in complete obedience to the Father. His response is in complete obedience to who he is and to what he's been brought to the earth to do. He said it is for this purpose that I have come to this hour. So it's not about taking me out of that circumstance. It's not about rescuing me from my reality. It's about finding actual purpose in it because I am obedient to the Father. I'm obedient to what he has brought me to this earth to do. I understand what it is that is laid before me and I will not ask him to rescue me from it, but I will persevere in it and find purpose in it. That is his response. And so often, church, if we're going to look at his life, if we're going to look at his life, and it's not going to be just something we observe, 
but it's something to follow. We need to see how he responds in these moments. And how does he respond in this moment? It's not, Lord, change it. It's not, I'm going to do everything to get it back to where it was. It was, Father, show me my purpose in this moment. Show me my purpose in this circumstance. You only come to that place through complete obedience to the Father. And that's where Jesus lived in intimacy with him. It was complete obedience all the time. And so what is the purpose? Jesus finds the purpose. What is the purpose? It's the next line. It's the next line. He says, Father, glorify your name. Glorify your name in my response. I find myself in this, in this circumstance. I find myself in a situation that brings despair. What shall I say? My response is in complete obedience to who you are and what you've called me to do. My response is in complete obedience to your holiness. My response is that I find purpose in my circumstance. And my, my purpose is this, that it's to glorify your name. It is not to do anything else. And that is what we have to understand, church, this morning as a response to our circumstance is that above everything, above all else, above whatever we do, no matter what it is and how we speak and how we respond and what we do as a reaction to our circumstance, above everything, our lives must glorify him, period. That's it. That has got to be at the, the very pinnacle of our lives is that we bring glory to him. And that is our purpose in the circumstance. And so Jesus says, I will glorify, let your name be glorified in this place, in this moment. Let my, let the purpose of my obedience be glorifying your name. And then, and then the father speaks from heaven and he says, I have glorified it. I have glorified your name and I will glorify it again. What is he saying there? What he's saying there is, is I have glorified my name through your life. I have glorified my name through your ministry and I will do it again. What, is he, what does he mean by that? He means I will glorify it when I put you up on the cross and when you are put in the ground and when I raise you again by my spirit. So I have glorified your name. I have glorified my name through your life. And not only that, I will glorify it again through your death and resurrection. The purpose of our response in every circumstance is to glorify his name. It's simple. And so the people that are around Jesus, they hear this. They're like, what was that noise? It sounds like thunder. I think it was an angel. And Jesus said, listen, this voice came for your sake, not for mine. What does he mean by that? What he's saying is, is that you heard that voice so that you could know who sent me. And then he goes on to say a little bit later on, and this is, this is where everything hinges, guys, as the church. This is where everything hinges. This has got to be at the forefront of everything we do and say as followers of Jesus. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, 
If I be lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. If I be lifted up, and in other renditions it says, for when I am lifted up, and what he's saying there is, is when I'm lifted up on a cross, and when I'm lifted up in my resurrection, when that happens, I will draw all people to myself. And that is where we have to live this morning, you guys. Above all the noise, above every option that we have to respond, regardless of, of what's going on around us. Here's the amazing thing about Jesus' response, is that he never looked to the periphery to figure out how he was supposed to respond in this circumstance. He never went to his disciples or his friends and said, hey, Peter, how should I respond given this circumstance? Hey, Philip, what do you think I should do in response to the circumstance that I find myself in when I'm despair, when I'm a, in a place of despair and anxiousness? Hey, what are your thoughts? And as the church guys, we can get in a really sticky situation when we begin to look at the prevailing, the prevailing opinions around us and begin to formulate our response based on the reactions of other people. Jesus never did that. He never looked to others to determine how he was going to respond in the circumstance he found himself in. Where did he go? He went to the Father, first and foremost. And he said, Father, are you to save me from this moment? I will find purpose in this moment. And that purpose is to glorify your name. And that's it. Never went to others. And for us as the church guys, we got to be careful not to allow other people's reactions, other people's opinions to formulate our response in this moment. It's our intimacy with him that determines our response in this moment. And our purpose in this moment is to glorify him. Why? Because he said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. I will draw all people to me. We have a responsibility, church, above all things, when we react, when we formulate a response, that he be put in that place, that he be lifted up. Why? Because if we lift him up, if we use our lives to lift him up into that place, above everything else, above every response, then he will draw all men, all people to himself through our response when people see how we respond in this circumstance. See, our protest can never be at the expense of the gospel, whatever that looks like. Because no one was more justified. No one was more justified to protest injustice than Jesus was. And no one deserved the cross less than he did. Yet he went there voluntarily. And so our protest, whatever that looks like, has never, can never come at the expense of the gospel. And let me say this, contending for our rights should never be at the expense of contending for the gospel. Jesus laid down every right voluntarily so that we could be known by the Father, so that we could have intimacy established by the Father.
so that we could know him, so that he could know us. He laid down every right and went to the cross so that we could be restored in intimacy with him. We have to keep that at the forefront of every response that we come up with or that we formulate um, in the midst of where we find ourselves in this moment. Paul talks about his rights in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and it's so telling. Um, it, it paints such an amazing picture of how we should view our rights in the midst of, of, of persecution. And, and Paul went through much greater persecution than we will ever experience. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul said this about his rights. He said, do I, do I not have the right to eat and drink. Am I not an apostle? And he's, he's writing this to the, letter, to the church of Corinth. He's saying, am I not an apostle? Did I not see Jesus? Are you not a product of my workmanship? Do I not have the right to eat and drink? Do I not have the right to take a wife? Do I not actually have the right to, to ask you for some type of um, financial blessing for the work of my ministry to you? Yes, I absolutely have that right to ask you. He said, even the priests in the Old Testament, even those priests, when they were part of the service of the Lord, they would take part in the sacrifice as a, as a way of being remunerated for their service to the Lord. He said, even the priests who, who, who were able to participate and, and be a part of that sacrifice, that, that even in that place, the Lord set that up so that the people in service to the Lord would be remunerated through that. He said, don't, don't, I, don't I deserve some type of financial blessing for my ministry to you, for me bringing the gospel? I absolutely do. That's what he said. But then he goes on to say this. He says, nevertheless... I have not made use of any of these rights, but instead I endure all things. I endure everything. Why? Because I would rather endure because I'd rather not put an obstacle in the way of the gospel. What Paul was saying here is this, is that I would rather lay my rights down, the ones that I am completely entitled to, I'd rather lay those down and endure my life of laying those down so that I would not create an obstacle to the gospel. See, sometimes, sometimes what Paul is saying is that sometimes those things just aren't worth fighting for because they're an obstacle to the gospel. that should cause us to ponder a little bit about our response in this moment. Jesus laid down every right. He laid down every right in order to reconcile us to the Father. Jesus said this. He said, if you abide in my word, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples. 
you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And he's not talking about wisdom or knowledge or, or information. He's saying that if you abide in my word, if you are my disciples, you will know the truth. And then he goes on to say, who the son has set free is free indeed. He's, what he's saying there is, is that if you know the truth, the truth is not information. It is not, it is not anything else but a person. And that person is me. And he said, if you know the truth, it will set you free. And he said, if the son sets you free, you are free indeed. Everything has got to be about pointing people to him. Our lives have got to be about pointing people to him. Above everything else, above all that we do, about, above every response we have as the church, what we have to keep in the forefront, in the focus, is that everything, every word, every action has got to be for the purpose of drawing all people to him and seeing our lives be a part of that process of drawing all people to him. That's the thing that we have to keep in the forefront of all that we do. Because, because here's the thing, guys, is that, you know, um, our rights don't make us free. Our way of life doesn't make us free as Americans. Our way of life does not make us free. Our rights do not make us free. Our financial position does not make us free. Even coming here on a Sunday morning and worshiping together corporately does not make us free. His selfless, sacrificial love that was laid down for us is the only thing that makes us free. And there is nothing that even comes close. Everything else, really, guys, if you want to really want to think about it, everything else is sort of a man-made deception. To think that we can gain freedom by pursuing this and that and fighting for this and that, nothing gives us freedom outside of the truth and the knowledge of who Jesus is and who he is in us and what he did for us. Nothing else comes close. Even if we have everything taken away from us, guys, everything, even if we have the very right to meet in this building and worship together corporately, even if that is taken away from us, that has nothing to do with the fact that we have been set free. It is only through him and it is only through truth that we are free. That's it. So here's the thing. Let us live like we are free. Let's live like we are free. Let's respond like we are free. Let us declare a message of freedom even in this moment. Let the world see our freedom, our certainty, our hope. That is what will attract the world to the gospel. It will not be cynicism. It will not be skepticism. If, if our lives are, are only filled with cynicism and skepticism, why will the world be attracted to that? It won't. We cannot live our life and our response 
cannot be cynicism and skepticism. It is freedom. It is hope. It is certainty in who he is, regardless of the situation. That is our response. And that is our purpose in the response is to glorify him. Why? So that all people can be drawn to him through our lives because we are free and we have hope and we have certainty no matter what. That's where we got to be church. That's where we got to live this morning. Let me just say this too. We should never be in a place where we assume certain things about people based on their response. That should never be how we live as the church. We should never assume and make assumptions about people based on how we perceive them responding in the moment. Grace covers all. But I will say this, we have an obligation to not just observe the life of Jesus, but to actually follow it and to actually become it and to be actually transformed by it. We will never live with assumptions about others based on their response. Grace and love covers all of that. That's what's so amazing and distinguishing about the church. But we do have an obligation to see Jesus for who he is, to see the life that he lived, and to model it to the best of our ability in our own lives. And let me just say this too, guys, that, you know, there are things that have happened. There are things that people have suggested. There are things that, you know, our government leaders and our health officials and the federal government have suggested and the CDC has suggested that I completely agree with. And I think that are good things to do in the midst of the circumstance where we find ourselves. But I also think there are things that, that I don't necessarily agree with. There are other things that I, that have, that I have seen and heard and suggestions made that, that I don't necessarily agree with. And, and I'll, and I'll, you know, I, I look at certain things and I think to myself, yeah, I'm not sure about that. Yeah, I don't know how that is really helping or I don't know how effective that actually would be. You know, th so there are things that I both agree with and disagree with in this moment. There are things that I find that would be beneficial to help us move out of this reality and out of this circumstance. And there are other things that people think are good that I just don't necessarily agree with. But I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Because I'll never let my sense of freedom be determined by my ability to disagree with somebody else. I am no less free because I've been asked to do something that I don't necessarily agree with. My freedom never hinges on that reality. Because, because the government doesn't set me free. You know, our health officials don't set me free. You know, Jesus sets me free and I am free indeed regardless of what I'm being asked to do. And the last thing I just want to say is this guys is that the world is watching us. You know, our our families are watching us, our friends are watching us. Um, our coworkers are watching us. And in this moment, our response has the potential to do two things. Our response in this moment can either draw people to him or distract people from him. 
And that is what we have to keep in mind as the church, regardless of what our response is. When we are wrestling with how we're, we're supposed to respond in this moment, the one thing that we have to keep at the forefront of everything we do and say is that are people being drawn to him or are people being distracted from him? And that's what Paul was saying in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He was saying, listen, I understand I have all of these things that I can contend for and fight for. But in my personal opinion, those things don't matter right now because they will only serve as a distraction, as, as a hindrance to the gospel. And that's where we have to live in that tension of wanting to respond in a certain way but also understanding that our response will either draw people to him or distract people from him. Because if the world sees a greater sense of hope and certainty in themselves than, than they do in us, why would they ever be attracted to the gospel? Why would they ever want the life that we live? Why would they ever want a life that we live if we respond in cynicism and skepticism over freedom, hope, and certainty. So let us live like we're free and let our lives draw people to the gospel. Let our lives draw people to him and let us never be a hindrance to those who are searching for him because it just might be us they are looking to, to find him. And so that I feel like is where we've got to live as a church, where we've got to live as followers of Jesus. Our lives have always got to be in response to our circumstance that we are free, that we are filled with hope and that we are filled with certainty. And because of that reality, we are always drawing people to him and never distracting people from him. I think the words of Jesus are words that we can stand firm on. And in every moment, we need to ask ourselves, what shall I say in response? What shall I say? And that's where we got to be. So let's pray. Father, I just thank you, God, for this moment, Lord. I pray, God, that in every situation, in every moment, Lord God, that we, we would allow our lives to draw people to you. God, that we can look at the circumstance and disagree with many of the things that we're being asked to do. But above all those things, the most important thing, Father, is that we draw people to you through our lives. Father, I just pray that you would give me a better ability to do that in my own life. And I pray, God, for everyone listening, God, that you would be able to do that, Lord God, that you would be able to speak into our lives and show us what our response should be in this moment and show us how we are to respond in order to draw all people to you. Jesus said, Ye, I will be lifted up. And if I am lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. Lord, show us how to lift your name and to glorify your name in every circumstance and in every purpose and in every situation. 
because it is you that we desire. It is the coming of your kingdom that we desire. It is the proclamation of your gospel above all else that we desire in this moment in time. Thank you, God, for your truth, for your word. God, thank you for the revelation of your son in our lives and who we're becoming in you. God, that we are becoming love in you and that we respond in every circumstance with love. Thank you, Father, for your love. Thank you for your transforming work through the Spirit. And thank you for your Son who came for me and for us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys. Thanks for hanging out with us this morning. That was pretty long. Jeez, that was really long. Uh, yeah, so anyway, wanted to just just uh, end by saying, if you want to talk more about this and discuss more about this, uh, we're going to do that on Wednesday at noon in our new Facebook group, in our new Facebook room um, that we've set up. So um, join me uh, if you want to talk about this a little bit more and have a, a bit of a more discussion about it. Have a great week, guys. We'll see you soon. Um, and like I said, join us this week uh, on our Facebook platform to talk about this a little bit more. But anyway, have a great Sunday. We'll see you next week.